We're in the series, Christmas and the Cross. We typically don't tie those together as we should, but we are. One of the songs that we just sang tied it together so very well, I thought. And so as we think about this time of year when we're celebrating the Christ coming, we also must celebrate the fact that Christ gave his life, and that's why we're able to have life and have it abundantly and have it eternally. So in this Christmas season, as we celebrate the cross of Christ, we're also inundated by this thing called gift giving, are we not? Um, how many of you already made your Christmas list of what you want for Christmas? It's okay to raise your hand. Yeah, okay, we got some back here. Yeah, I got mine. Okay. <clears throat> and just so you'll know, at least for most of us, as you get older, the list gets shorter. Just letting you know. Maybe it's because we know we won't be here real long. We don't need all that stuff anyway, but... <laughs> But I have an 11-year-old granddaughter, and uh, she is very articulate about her list for Christmas. She has loving parents who are careful to do what they can within reason for her request for Christmas. But the other day, I had to wonder a little bit because I walked into the county building. I went in to pay the taxes on my truck, and the clerk behind the counter said to me, well, is Kendra going to get what she asked for Christmas? And she gave me what it was. I said, do what? (laughs) So as I said, Kendall can be very articulate about getting out her request. And there's nothing wrong with that. There really isn't. As long as... As long as we keep all this in perspective. So let me give you a verse from the Bible that may help us, at least I hope it will, see the perspective for this. Remember that verse? John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave, what? He gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. The gift of Christmas is his son. Now, when we think about that, and we think about Christmas, there's some other things that come with gift giving, at least in my mind, as I read the scripture. And that's found in Matthew chapter 2, 1 through 12, verses 1 through 12. I'm not going to put it up for you. I'm just going to tell you about it. You can look it up. Please do. The city of Jerusalem hears this cry. The Magi is coming. The Magi is coming. Now, if we went downtown Chester and said the Magi is coming, you know what the response would be? (laughs) What the heck is that? Exactly. Yeah. But you have to understand that in this part of the world, the Magi was an amazing group of very wise men, wise in science, wise in politics, wise in religion, and they're coming to Jerusalem. Now, I remember singing a song for Christmas, We Three three Kings of Orient Are. Remember singing that one? And so we have the idea that these three guys on camels showed up 
to give gifts to Jesus. The problem is, that's not exactly what happened. The reason we have the number three is because there were three gifts mentioned. And so we associate a gift with a king. But in the study of history, you find that this magi, this incredible group of wise men, was a large, very large group. In in fact, it was a caravan that traveled even to the point that they had their own military guard because the treasures they carried with them as they would go and pay homage to those that they were going to recognize, as in this case, Jesus, they were a target. And they had to be taken care of and protected. And they were. So when the word comes out, the Magi is coming, the whole city is looking, some wanting to see. But you have to understand, the king gets all upset. So just so you know, when three guys ride in on camels, it doesn't upset the king. But when the caravan, with military might, Treasures untold moves into Jerusalem. He is upset. Why? Because Herod has killed every opponent to his position on the throne up until now. And the announcement from the Magi is, where is he who is born king of the Jews? This guy is not going to, he is not going to be threatened. Particularly when they're saying, wait a minute, he was just born. Baby, it's a threat to me and my kingdom. That's not going to happen. So let's take a step back just a little bit and say, well, how was it that that they got there anyway? And I want to thank Chris Goodwin and those who helped him get the star up on the tree because that's how they got there. They follow the star. Now, this is important. You're going to see how I'm going to move this forward. They follow the star. And so when they were questioned by the king, well, how did you know? When did you know? And they said, oh, it's the star. We followed the star. And as we follow the star, we've come now to this place, and we know there's just a little bit more distance, a little bit more to be done, and we want to get there. Herod was a, in fact, they referred to him as the fox. Sly old dog. Old fox. He said, well, tell me exactly when you saw this. Because I, too, want to pay homage to this new king. That you're talking about. Now, he didn't. He wanted to figure out when the child was born so he could make sure he killed him. When they gave him the time frame, and then they left with all their entourage, all their caravan, and proceeded on to see the Christ child, Herod says, I got to figure this thing out. I got to make sure this kid doesn't live to adulthood. The time frame the Magi had given Herod was two years. The Magi were told by Herod, come back once you've seen him, once we know where he is, once you can come back and tell me where that is, please come back so I too can pay homage. 
But they were warned not to do that, and so they went another way. Herod knew he'd been, (laughs) what's it today, ghosted? (laughs) And he said, they said two years. It's been two years, just under two years. So I'm going to send my troops out to Bethlehem and the surrounding area and kill every male child two years and under. We've just witnessed what's happened in Israel through Hamas and the killing of children. And some of the testimonies, if you have the, the, uh, what I want to say, the fortitude to listen to some of these atrocities that were committed, it's absolutely mind-boggling. And here now, Herod has dispatched his troops throughout this region to kill all the males, all the little boys, to and under. How horrendous that is. But it also sheds some light on something as we follow the star. And the Magi arrive, if you read the scripture, at the house. Not the stable, but the house where Jesus and his parents are because he is now a toddler. He is not the babe in a manger. And they unload these incredible, incredible gifts. Now, I share with you last year, for those who are here, that a person that I read a lot and study a lot who does a lot of in-depth study research... His belief was that all the treasures that had been given to Jesus at his birth and to his family were the money that was to be used for Jesus even in his ministry that he never wanted for anything necessarily because this money had been taken care of and protected so that it was dispensed to the family and then to Jesus in his ministry. I don't know if that's true or not. But I'll tell you this, based on the study I've done of history, those guys didn't show up with a few trinkets. They literally dropped some serious wealth on the family of Mary and Joseph and Jesus. But those are gifts. Incredible, incredible, amazing gifts that they brought. So God gives his gift, his son, for God so loved the world that he gave his son. And now the Magi, following the star, they arrive and they give incredible gifts to the Son of God. I want to change gears almost completely. In Acts chapter 8, there's a story of one of the disciples. His name is Philip. He has received the gift of salvation. As he's being used of God, as they were going, they were sharing the reality of Jesus Christ, the word of God, and people were coming to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. As he's being used of God, the angel of the Lord says to him, Let me take it up, get turned over here. 
The angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go south to the road that descends from Jerusalem to Gaza. Is that not interesting? That here it is, we're seeing what we're seeing today, and here it is in the scripture. In the proximity. This is a desert road. And he arose and went, and behold, there was an Ethiopian eunuch. From the court of the office of Candace, I'm sorry. (coughs) Queen of the Ethiopians. Who was in... (laughs) Coffee, please. Thank you. Something warm. (coughs) Thank you. I thought that was gone. Drainage has been there. He encounters this official from Ethiopia. From the court of Candace, the queen. He had come up to Jerusalem to worship. And he was returning and sitting in his chariot and was reading the prophet Isaiah. Now let's, let's do something here so I can help you try to get where I am and where I'm trying to help you see. God gives his gift of his son. The Magi follow the star and they encounter the precious son of God and they give him gifts. And I'm jumping way ahead to the book of Acts. And here is Philip, one of the disciples who's had time with him and now is being used by him to share the reality of God. And they're having great revival. And God says, but I want you to go to a deserted place. Just hold that for a second and think about this. If we are following Christ, as it were our star, as we should, and all that he has for us, thank you very much. Appreciate that. All that he has for us. And God says to any of us, there's someone... There's someone who needs to hear what's happened. That God gave his son. That the Magi came and followed the star and celebrated the birth of the Son of God. And now each of us, I loved the song a while ago, and I, the, the uh, lyric in it were, Bethlehem was so busy. Don't say to him, there's no room in the end, when you think about your heart. Love that. It's great phrasing. Wonderful lyrics. So, how many of you, just stop for a second, how many of you have received the gift that God gave of his son into your heart? Sometimes I have to explain. This is not a rhetorical question. I'm not going to assume because you're sitting there smiling. Have you received the gift? Well, 
If we use Philip, and again, I know I had to make quite a jump there. That's, That's my bridge in my mind. If we use Philip as an example, and there are many other examples who receive that gift, then you really can't keep that gift to yourself. That gift should really be shared with someone else. And so here's Philip. Having been there excited about the great movement of God that God is doing, and now the angel of God says, I want you to go to this deserted road. And he does. And when he gets there, he sees a chariot. And, and the chariot is traveling along, not at a rapid pace apparently. And, and so he can hear the reading of Isaiah. And God says, run alongside. And he does. And he has this communication with the eunuch from Ethiopia. And he says, do you understand what you're reading? You know, can, can you imagine? Listen. Let me try to be nicer than I was getting ready to be. Philip had to run or walk fast or whatever the pace was. It says run there, so we'll take that as truth. To get to a place where he could hear enough and ask the right question so that he could give the right answer to the eunuch. I guess my question for us is, how far are we willing to go out of our way to share the reality of Christ with someone else? If God should say, I want you to go to this person or these people and share this reality, would we do that? Would we take the gift that has been so freely given to us and share it so abundantly with someone else? And we can only answer that individually. If you've not done that, let me encourage you. Remember the wise men were following the star. Philip was doing what the angel told him to do. We have the Holy Spirit of God living in us to instruct us and help us to know exactly how that's to be done. And with whom? I appreciate it. Have you ever uh, watched the uh, Alan Parr? He's a young... Um, I'm not sure what they call him now. He, he blogs, but he's just an amazing young man of God. If you haven't, look him up. But I was listening to him on a particular subject this week, and he said something that struck my heart. He was addressing something that was controversial, and he said, don't just listen to me, and don't just listen to them, whoever they are, but instead... Listen to the Holy Spirit and what He is leading you to do because we all have the Spirit of God. If we're in Christ, He's in us. And so, maybe we don't have the star and maybe we don't necessarily have an angel all the time, but we absolutely do have the Holy Spirit of God living in us to lead us and direct us and help us. is invited to come up and sit with the eunuch in the chariot. And here's the passage he was reading. He was led as a sheep to slaughter, and as a lamb before his shearer is silent, so he does not open his mouth. In humiliation, 
his judgment was taken away, who shall relate his generation? For his life is removed from the earth. You know, he says, what is that talking about? And Philip says, oh, (laughs) that's talking about Jesus. And then he begins to share the reality of Jesus. Now, this is an interesting to me. And I know that the eunuch has come up to Jerusalem to worship, and so he knows something about um, true worship. He knows something about how things are working in Judaism particularly. But you have to believe the Holy Spirit of God is at work here as he will be in us and through us as we are obedient as Philip was because the eunuch says, oh, wait a minute. This reality is now my reality. Oh, here's water. What's preventing me from being baptized? And Philip said, nothing. And they go down in the water and he's baptized. Now, God gives his son freely to each of us. Each of us, each of us, have the joy of giving that gift to someone else. Now, the people that you know, your family, your friends, whomever, that may not be on their Christmas list. But it should be on our Christmas list that we can give that gift and give it freely and do it in an amazing way that honors God. So that being said, how do we do that? Down front on the platform here, we have some of these. Prayers for your unsaved loved ones, a complete scripture guide of how to pray for the people you care about. You know, the people that would you not go... If they have something on their list that, within reason, you would do everything possible to make sure they get the gift that they've desired or desire for this Christmas. How about, how far would you go to help them get the gift of Christmas, which is the true gift of Christmas? Would you be willing to do something like this. Now again, as Alan Parr said, don't take my word for it. I'm not going to mislead you any time, any way, intentionally, but don't take my word for it. Ask the Holy Spirit. Ask Him what it is and how it is that He wants you to take this Christmas and make it more meaningful than it's ever been. For someone this Christmas. This particular document starts by, excuse me, if God is sovereign. And why should we even bother to pray? 
And the answer is, because that's what he's told us to do. And one of the great things we can do in prayer, if you've never done this, let me encourage you to do this. Start praying the Word of God. Allow the Holy Spirit to bring to your mind, to your heart, Scripture that you've read or studied, and then begin praying that for someone else. But here's the first point in praying Scripture over a loved one. Father God, I know that no one comes to Jesus unless you, Father, draw them. John six forty four. So I ask you to draw, and you put in your loved one's name to your son, that he or she may know you personally and spend eternity with you. Again, I don't know how much you're going to spend on Christmas. I don't know how much you're going to, how much time you're going to invest in making sure you have just the right gift that's been requested by the one you love. But I can tell you this. This is the greatest gift. God so loved the world, he created each one of us in it, that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. That's it. That's the gift. Given freely to us. And now we have the privilege and the opportunity to give that gift to someone else. What do you say? What do you think? Good idea? Bad idea? (laughs) An amazing idea. I told you last week I truly enjoy Christmas. My wife does an amazing job of decorating the house, and I get to enjoy those decorations through the Christmas season. We talked last week about being dazed or amazed. Are we just dazed by all the things of Christmas, all the lights, all the things surrounding Christmas, all the activity of Christmas? Or do we truly stand amazed? Truly stand amazed. And all that God has done to make it possible for us to have life. For us to see his son as he is. And then in that intimate relationship that we have with him, we also have the privilege of sharing that with someone else. What a blessing. So I want you to do this. Please stand. We're going to do some prayer time here. We're not going to rush it. We've allowed plenty of time. And I'm going to ask you where you are, right where you are right now, to pray. Okay, Lord, in this Christmas season, who is it that I could be investing intercessory prayer for their salvation? Who is there that maybe I'm already have already purchased or planning to purchase them a gift, something that they've put on their Christmas list. But the truth of the matter is, the reality is that the gift they truly need is you. 
And I can't answer that for anybody but me. So just take some time. Just be real quiet where you are. Ask the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart, to reveal whoever it might be that he has for you to share Christ with this Christmas. Spirit for touching our hearts, empowering, enabling us to touch the hearts of others, to become those that, by the grace that we've received, are able to give the greatest gift, the sharing of the reality of you, Lord Christ. Thank you for the wise men who demonstrated great wisdom in finding the Christ. Now let those of us who have found you as well share that light with others. You know who, you know where, and you know when. Let us be like Philip as we're moved and directed to go. We go. And we just go as willing vessels. Your word says that we're living sacrifices. We're offering ourselves to you today freely for you to help yourselves to our lives and use us in your kingdom as you see fit. So, so grateful, God. So, so grateful. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus, for being the greatest gift of the season. And thank you for the the opportunity that we have to share with others what Christmas really is all about and why we celebrate it. Help us now, we pray. In Jesus' name.